Hi everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria has a new plan to improve the lives of Black residents. Reporter David Garrick will share more. Then, high school students share their experiences with online learning during the pandemic. First, the news. Federal prosecutors will not charge a police officer who shot and killed a San Diego woman at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Ashley Babbitt was a 35-year-old Air Force veteran from San Diego. Prosecutors said they had reviewed the video of the shooting, along with statements from the officer involved and other officers and witnesses present. They examined physical evidence from the scene and reviewed the autopsy results. The Justice Department's decision officially closes out the investigation. An investigation into dozens of illegal gambling parlors in San Diego ended with a series of morning raids Wednesday and charges against 47 people. According to federal indictments, the investigation focused on alleged casino owners and their employees. Several people also faced charges of selling or distributing methamphetamine to patrons as well as being felons in possessions of guns. Some defendants were set to make their first appearances in San Diego federal court Wednesday afternoon. A San Diego developer who has been trying to bring a major hotel to Harbor Island for at least a decade won approval from Port Commissioners Tuesday for an option to lease a bayfront site. The action marks a significant milestone for Sun Road Enterprises, which was in danger of losing the right to develop a hotel on Harbor Island amid concerns about the design. As part of the agreement, the developer has two years to meet conditions before beginning what would be a 66-year lease on 7.5 acres. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria unveiled a detailed plan Monday meant to improve the lives of the city's black residents. He plans to do that by repealing inequitable housing policies. He plans to do that by repealing inequitable policies and investing in jobs, education, infrastructure, and housing. David Garrett covers the city of San Diego for the UT. Okay, so Mayor Todd Gloria released a new plan Monday. The intention is to help black residents. What exactly does that plan entail? You know, it's a, a lot of different elements. Uh, workforce development is a key part of it, uh, but he also focuses on uh, controversial law enforcement policies, especially stuff uh, focused on guns and how officers are hired and maybe training officers not to engage in racial profiling. It's kind of a smorgasbord of ideas that affect sort of issues that local Black leaders have raised about San Diego and, and nationwide. Yeah, I saw that local Black leaders have praised the plan. They call it unprecedented, uh, you know, an, an unprecedented attempt to right social wrongs. But they also said it was missing some things. What were those things? Um, you know, I think youth was was a key element. Uh, you know, Todd has focused a lot on on jobs um, and creation of jobs. But some some Black leaders have suggested that you know internships for for young Blacks. Um, and maybe summer job programs at the city for, for young Blacks, you know, would help them see themselves as employable and help maybe set some of them on a, on a different pathway. Um, so I think that was one key glaring, glaring issue. And on the rest, I think they felt like, while the broad themes were great, there were obviously minor little things. We'd like more here and less here. So, Because a lot of it had to do with uh, police and police conduct, has SDPD responded or what has been their reaction? Uh, That's a great question. I do not know that. We did not get that from Monday's story. I mean, I know they've generally been cooperative with Todd, and obviously in this current climate, they're aware that, you know, there's going to have to be changes in policing moving forward. Just our whole nation is sort of viewing policing a a new light based on the George Floyd incident and then, you know, racial protests across the country the last year or so. And how about accountability? How does the city plan to hold itself accountable? 
you know, Todd was, was stressed that a lot of these were, had measurable goals in there. So I don't think there's any particular group that will hold him accountable officially. Obviously, black leaders can come out and say they don't feel like he's living up to his promises. But a lot of the things he put in there are have measurable outcomes, especially on workforce development and, and those issues. What is the timeline for these things? You know, Todd himself admitted that this is not an easy problem to solve. He didn't set a specific timeline, but he, even he and his sort of stump speech as he unveiled the plan, you know, conceded that I'm, I know that this problem isn't going to get solved in, in five minutes. Decades of underinvestment and lack of attention to the city's black neighborhoods have created this problem, and it's going to take a while to solve it. Is there a cost for this program? No, there's not. I mean, some of the individual elements of it have costs, like money he's going to put into workforce development, and he's going to unveil a budget tomorrow that will include, you know, some of these. He mentioned on Monday that some of the programs he's talking about will be included in the budget he unveils tomorrow, so we'll get price tags on them then. And is there are there any plans to create similar uh, action plans for other communities of color? Did he mention that? Not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I think, um, you know, Latinos are obviously the one that would, would jump to mind. Um, but I think maybe the, the problems that the Latino community faces are more varied. And I, you know, certainly these are sensitive topics, so I don't want to, you know, say something that offends or upsets anyone. But I feel like the, the black community is mostly centered in southeastern San Diego, it makes up 6% of the city's population. Uh, and they all tend to live in this, generally the same area and have the biggest problems are lack of jobs and lack of infrastructure and I think that Latinos will probably have a wider range of problems that wouldn't be maybe solved by the same specific set of policies. And related to this, the city of San Diego has switched its ambulance provider. Um, you know, you, you wrote about this earlier in the year. It was interesting to me that Al Sharpton came out against this decision to hire Falk, but local leaders of color supported it. Uh, what does the change mean for communities of color? You know, that's an interesting question. I think everyone hoped that what it means is that there's gonna be better service in areas south of State Route 94 that have had worse response times in general. Uh, some critics, including former Councilman David Alvarez, have said that the contract should include specifics that require those communities to get better service. Instead, the contract requires more ambulances and more ambulance hours, which of course it seems inevitable with more ambulances and more ambulance hours that all neighborhoods would get better response times. Um, but it doesn't specifically say anywhere in the contract that areas of, of color or our communities of concern or low-income areas will get any special treatment. It's sort of part of the idea of having more service. Is that something that can be changed going forward? I guess, what is the length of this contract and what would it take to, to update it to say that? You know, it's, it's a, it's a five-year deal, um, so I guess the answer would be would be no unless the company agrees to changes, which they, they, maybe they would under, under political pressure. You know, that was one of the things that Councilwoman Monty Von Wolpert uh, sort of complained yesterday, that the, that the writing of the contract began under the previous inter, uh, administration under Kevin Faulkner, and that she felt like maybe if it had begun under this administration, maybe some of those things would have been in there, and there would have been stronger ability for the city to fight if the company breaches uh, the contract. Uh, but right now, that's that's the way it is, and so I guess it would take political pressure to change it, which seems odd now, a day after it got approved, to start talking about, but I guess that could happen. I mean, you go to all these meetings. Has Falk addressed this issue uh, head-on? I mean, I know there are not metrics sort of holding them to these standards, but have they, you know, admitted that it's a problem and talked about working on it? They have, and I think it's fair to say that one of the main reasons for the city trying to switch or considering a switch was that the existing provider, American Medical Response, has you know not um, 
I guess it's hard to say they've, they've met their response times goals, but they have not pleased the city. City officials have felt like that they're not happy with the response times, especially in those areas. The uh, AMR will immediately tell you that they did meet their goals. So I want to make that clear. But the, the idea of looking for a different provider sort of was propelled by the idea that these neighborhoods that are ethnically diverse and low income do not get proper service. And that was one of the things that prompted the city to look for an alternate provider. Now let's turn to opinion. This week, the UT's opinion section is running community commentaries from high schoolers. So Lucia Ayala is a senior at San Pasquale High School and Samantha Bradell is a junior there. Um, you both wrote for the UT's opinion section this week about your experience, uh, you know, going through this past year of high school online. I think, you know, it was kind of a mixed experience, but just to start off with, could you each tell me um, a little about what you liked about it and what you didn't? Uh, Lucia, you can go first. Well, we kind of had the same, like a similar experience where it was kind of, we were kind of stuck, like unmotivated to like do things. And we kind of had to like learn to get ourselves out of that, like depressed state of mind sort of thing, you know, like, and it was really hard because, you know, like computers, like we're, we were behind computers like all day, like, um, we have to adapt to learn how, like we have to adapt to fix like the issues like on our own because sometimes teachers don't answer or like, you know, other things come up, so. One of the things I loved about your essay is at the top, it's like, what if we actually got two weeks off school? That's exactly what we thought about work. I was like, oh, it'll be a few weeks max and then we'll be right back. And you know, today I haven't seen most of my coworkers in over a year. Sam, what did you think this was going to be like going when they sent you home from school over a year ago? I was originally the one who came up with the introduction because I remember a senior in our class and he was talking about the first cases of COVID in China and every single week he kept coming into the classroom with a new update and it became more and more of a widespread issue and then we just and then it just all came together all of a sudden and he was like it has come to the U.S. and that was when we realized and that was when I turned around and that's when I asked my friends what if we actually got two weeks off of school and I think that was the funniest part because it was a bit longer than two weeks. <laughs> right, just a, just a bit. In your essay, you both wrote about how it was just kind of hard to stay connected to your peers, to your teachers, to your community. I mean, how did you, or did you learn, you find substitutes? No, I think it's still hard even right now. And it's already been like a year and like a couple months. It's still hard to kind of connect to your teachers and be like, hey, like, what's up, you know, like, what's going on? Like, you don't get that connection, like the friendship that you, like, you create with them. Or like, you know, when you, when you're in class, like the teachers take you out in breakout rooms and they're like, okay guys, like talk to your peers. And then like, every everyone's silent, like no one's talking. And if like, they're talking, it's only about like, oh, like, hey guys, like, what's the answer to this? Like, can you guys help me out on this question? And then like, you don't really get that bond, which is like, you kind of need that to be a human and to feel things like, so that's been a struggle still. 
something that struck me about your essay, I think this is the way it was titled, I have it here, but um, you're right when you say that, you know, we've we've talked, we being um, just the media, the world has talked a lot about how the pandemic has affected working adults, um, but less so. I mean, we have heard about some of the mental health effects, but, you know, I think high school students um, haven't been looked at as much. And so, like, what is the thing that you want, uh, you know, the world to know about how this has affected you personally? Uh, yeah. So personally, it's been really rough. Um, I wrote an article that, well, I wrote the part where I said that I like we were in a depressed state of mind because personally I felt like I was, I felt like I, I didn't know what to do. And some part of me still does it. I feel like I still don't know what to do. Like sometimes I find myself in like a really dark place and I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. Like I'm surrounded by all these assignments, like all these tests, like, and like, I can't reach out to people. I can't reach out to my teachers because then like, what are they supposed to tell me? So it's, it's a struggle. And I feel like I personally feel like students haven't been asked, Hey, like what's going on? Like, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? Like, do you need a break? Um, which is why I also said we took mental vacations. Cause I, I didn't ask for the mental vacations. I just took them because I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna do it for myself. And with like the test scores, the assignments, I'm just gonna leave them aside for a little while because I need to focus on myself. Um, so I just want the world to know, like, you know, don't assume that that your students or your kids are doing fine because they're probably struggling and you need to ask them, hey, like, what's going on? Are you okay? Just like check in on them. Samantha, how about you? What is something you wish um, people knew about the, the struggle that young people are having? Um, I think I wish people would know that we're all really trying. Um, nobody is in this time just giving up, I feel like, because we do, we, as I said before, we do have a lot of resources. It's not necessarily difficult to get through everything. It's just the motivational aspect that a lot of us are struggling with because you have to be sitting at a computer screen for six hours a day or more. And then our way of escaping all of that is going on our phones. So then it's just constant screen time in our eyes all the time. And then that makes you tired. You don't wanna to speak to people. You don't wanna go out. I mean, I don't go out even half as much as I want to, so. I just hope that people realize that we are really trying and for the people who are struggling even more than we are, that I really hope that they can get through it because I know they can. Samantha, do you think this will have a lasting impact on your life, you know, or do you feel like this is just a strange year? Maybe we all got through together. We'll move past it, go back to normal and never think of it again. Or do you think your life is like altered in, in ways that do you think your life is altered forever in some ways? I personally think my life is altered because I think I learned a lot about myself, which is definitely something we didn't touch upon very much, but I think I improved as a person and I wouldn't replace this year at all. I grew closer to the people that were reaching out to me and wanted to become closer with me 
that I never got the chance to. And through the really tough times, I got to meet people through the internet who have helped me through it all. So I, I feel like a better person. So yeah. Lucia, how about you? How do you think this will shape your life going forward? Um, it's probably going to alter my life by, you know, it made me stronger as a person mentally and physically a little bit. Um, you know, college students are going to probably be working from a computer most of the time. Um, so I kind of learned those skills, like how to communicate like online, how to, you know, answer emails. That's kind of what we all are doing right now and use Canvas and Microsoft Teams and stuff like that. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, as we move on with like the month and like the rest of the year, we're probably not going to be going back to school like full on. We're probably going to stay online for a little while. So I'm just glad that I learned all those skills before, you know, I go on with my life. <laughs> well, those were my questions for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add um, that I haven't asked you about that you, you know, you just think is an important point to make and, and you want people to hear? Um, I think I'd like to just say that although our article definitely focused on the criticisms because when we were reading some of the other amazing articles that were submitted, we saw a lot about other people's opinion and we didn't see much very specific criticism. So we just wanted to bring to light those facts, but there have definitely been a lot of positives during this time too. We just felt as though it was more important to bring to light some of those criticisms that haven't been talked about. You can read these stories online at sandiegouniontribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.